attention, attention all personnel, it's MASHCAST! Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, one episode at a time, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and joining us again this week is our pal, Corey Drew. Hi, Corey. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing just great. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, in the Since you were on last time, you took a big trip to, where did you go again? I went to Iceland. Iceland? Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Game of Thrones fans will recognize a lot of that uh, that landscape. And, you know, it's it was like middle of June, and I was wearing, like, layers and a sweater and a parka. <laughs> Did you run into any ice zombies while you were there? No, fortunately. the Their season is, like, late fall. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> the ice zombies. Coming. Right, exactly. All right. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, anyway, the episode we're here to talk about is from season one. It's episode eight, Cowboy. Originally aired December, I'm sorry, November twelfth, nineteen seventy-two. Written by Robert Klein and directed by Don Weiss. One of the wounded is a chopper pilot named Cowboy, played by Billy Greenbush, who rests up in the four seven sevens post op. Cowboy's wounds aren't so bad, but his real problem is that his wife has been writing him letters telling him that their relationship is in trouble. Cowboy requests to go home from Henry, who refuses on the basis that Cowboy's wounds just don't justify it. At the same time, Henry denies Trapper permission to borrow a jeep to make some time with a nurse. He and Hawkeye wonder if Henry is starting to, quote, go sour on us. Cowboy doesn't take too well to being told he can't go home, and soon after we see Henry barely escape a couple of accidents. He's shot at while golfing with Hawkeye. An out-of-control jeep goes through his tent. The latrine blows up while he's in it. Eventually, the whole camp, even Radar, begins to steer clear of their commander, afraid of being near someone who obviously has a target painted on his back. Henry, now a nervous wreck, agrees to take some R&R, and Cowboy offers to give him a lift in his chopper. While Henry is showing Frank the ropes in his office, he is almost killed when a small bomb goes off under his chair. Back at the camp, Hawkeye discovers via a search of his duffel bag that it's Cowboy who is the attempted assassin, just in time to learn from Trapper that Cowboy just took off in his chopper with Henry. Cowboy tips Henry off that he plans to kill him, just as Hawkeye, Trapper, and Radar try to get through to him via the radio. As Henry fights for his life, they read Cowboy a letter from his wife, which has just arrived. She admits to being tempted by other men, but ultimately loves the Cowboy and wants to stay together. Relieved, Cowboy calms down and flies him and Henry back to the 477th. Later in the swamp, we learn that Cowboy is going to get a chance to get some R&R. Trapper asks if Henry was scared up there in the chopper all along with the Cowboy. He says no but he jumps and spills his drink all over the sound of a backfiring Jeep. Hawkeye and Trapper have a good laugh at Henry's expense. So, uh, Corey, why did you want to talk about this one? It's one of the ones that I remember for being, like, in my in, in my memory, it was more, uh, like, almost entirely slapstick, right? It was, like, almost entirely a comic episode, and that sort of stood out to me about Matt, about, you know, any given episode of MASH. And that it was just entirely funny. And, you know, in reviewing it, I rewatched it uh, um, many moons ago when you initially, you know, asked, you know, what episodes people, you know, wanted to to do with you. And I rewatched this one then and then I I rewatched it again recently. And it's an incredibly dark slapstick comedy (laughs) and so like as an adult, like I just appreciate it so much more. But as a kid, I just thought. 
you know, uh, it was just a, a hoot. <laughs> I mean, this one literally has Henry with like when when the uh, the latrine blows up, a toilet seat wrapped around his neck right. and soot on his face. I mean, that is out of a Three Stooges short, right? You know, you're like a it is. snuffy Smith comic strip or something. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, but it's an iconic image at the same time because I correct me if I'm wrong, but. Wasn't that image included in the end credits later on once it went went into syndication? Because that image has stuck in my head for years. I believe it's in the end credits of this episode because they would change them up. Uh, but right. yeah, it was an image you saw. Yeah, it is. It's it's a uh, remarkably uh, elastic episode, and that you said it is pretty dark. And that yeah. uh, during the final sequence, Cowboy's whole plan to kill Henry is just to push him out the chopper. Just That's the plan. The yeah. Yeah. That's it, you know, and they take it, that whole sequence is done pretty seriously. Cowboy is just flat out trying to kill Henry, and Henry is fighting for his life, and there's even a couple of shots where you see, like, which I guess are stuntmen, like, squabbling, and the chopper is kind of rocking back and forth. They're like, wow, this got dark awful fast. For For an episode that features a scene where Radar brings in some paperwork on a fishing line <laughs> a fishing through the ride, door. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does go from kind of like Alpha to Omega in the, right. in the span of 24 minutes or whatever. But it kind of bookends nicely, too, at the same time, because, like, one of the things that, you know, I mean, it starts with this, you know, cowboy getting out of the chopper and just falling flat on his face. Right. Which is a pretty dark image, you know, in and of itself. When I was a kid, I thought it was hysterical because people falling is funny. I mean, right. I don't know that that makes me a great person, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, so him coming out and just face planting uh, as, as a kid had me in stitches. But, you know, it's a pretty dark image, you know, right off the bat, you know, you know, it's different. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's going to be telling that story. And then it kind of switches pretty rapidly because it, you know, radar goes in into the swamp and, you know, tries to wake up Hawkeye and, and Hawkeye is like, you know, how would you like me to remove your tonsils through your ears? You know what I mean? Like it, it just becomes this, you know, punchline setup, punchline setup just real abruptly. And, and, uh, you know, now that interests the heck out of me, like that, that pattern that the show seems to have where it, it switches and it doesn't give you any time to get comfortable with what's coming, (laughs) you know, like it, it, here's something really kind of, uh, frightening and and or sad and or dark and now here's a laugh you know it, it it just it it keeps you aware and alert and looking around every corner and right. I love that right especially in the first season when they were really trying to find their tone I mean the the scene earlier on in the show where um, Trapper wants to take a jeep with a nurse mm-hmm. out into the hills and, you know, do whatever they're going to do. And him and, and, and Burns won't let him. Like, they're screaming at one another. I mean, mm-hmm. at, at, like, one point Trapper, like, threatens Frank's life. And I'm like, the director of this one, as I mentioned, was, was Don Weiss, and he directed 16 episodes of the show. So he had experience already doing MASH and would go on to get more. But the, you could, like, I don't think that in later seasons they would have done the scene like that because Trapper is, like, Screaming at Frank, it's it's yeah. everything. You feel like he told the actors, "All right, guys, I want an 11 You know, at this mm-hmm. point, from the beginning of this, and it's it's just very a different tone from what you would get later on in the show. Do you think that that's 
thematic for this particular episode, though, uh, because, like, everyone is on edge. Like, Henry's not behaving the way Henry normally behaves. Like, everybody's really uptight and angry and frustrated and, and I mean, everybody except for Hawkeye and Radar. Um, but, they're, you know, they, they represent that emotional state through a lot of different characters. Uh, and then in the end, that's ultimately why uh, Cowboy gets to go home is because he's just been put through the ringer. Right, yeah. I mean, Trevor does mention that he's been performing surgery for three straight days. Three straight days, you know, and right. And he wants a little bit of... And, right, and Henry, of course, is pushed to his limits a little, too, because he's just tired of, uh, you know, having to kind of, like, constantly make special accommodations for different people. And, you know, and right. then, of course, Hawkeye and Trapper are, like... You know, has he gone? Has he gone sour on us? You're like, wow, right. already. You guys are kind of like turning on him. <laughs> like, geez, right. He's doing that his was, best, guys. That scene with um, uh, with Trapper though was incredible. It had some of the like, just some great dialogue, like the baseball reference about how he she straightened out his screwball. Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's so dirty. Like that is like such a naughty. Like you know, there's no way you can avoid that imagery. <laughs> you know when he says that, and then. Uh, when when Henry tells the nurse to disinjeep, I was dying. I, like he just made up a word because he could. He was so like you know disinjeep. That's amazing. But I think, you know, I think he says something like my hanging curveball won't hang anymore or something like that. You're like my lord. Yeah, exactly. I mean the 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 references or the uh, the imagery there was not unclear. It was fairly evident what they were going for there. Um, Henry like. Henry to me in this episode is it, this is pre so I have this thing this TV theory that I have it's called the Joey Tribbiani effect I don't know if I've ever discussed this with you no I can't wait to hear this but basically if a character starts off kind of goofy but not you know completely idiotic or you know not just absurd they slowly become more and more of a cartoon of themselves so sure. that by the end of their run uh, they're, they're only, they're only their, their bullet points. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're only right. whatever. And I, I, I call it the Joey Tribbiani effect because I'm a, a Gen Xer and friends was my show. And you know, that he was a very egregious <laughs> example of that happening. Homer Simpson's another great example of that. <laughs> um, but that hen- it happened to Henry. This, this episode was pre- uh, Joey Tribbiani effect for Henry because you don't really get to see him later on be cantankerous and just sort of um, puts his foot down a lot. He slowly becomes more and more, at least to my, my memory, he slowly becomes more and more uh, silly and, you know, lackadaisical and just like all the things that you associate with, with Henry Blake. He just, be, he dials him up to 11. It's like Food Network stars, you know, like whatever, whatever their stereotype is, they just turn it up to 11. They're like, you know what? I'm going to Paula Deen the heck out of this. Years later, no more Paula Deen. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> they should be careful with that. But <laughs> anyway, I, I thought that was kind of interesting to me because it's so the, the behavior felt to my recollection of the episodes of MASH uh, that, that uh, are near and dear to my heart felt very out of character for Henry. I think later on, like if you watch the the first season back to back to back, which you can now do now that the show's on streaming, um, the Frank and Hot Lips are much less adversarial 
like they're much less in the show. There were there were some episodes during the first season entirely where they're not in it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think they wrote Henry as a little more of the 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 doorstop, you know, the, not the mm-hmm. doorstop, like the speed bump, who's stopping uh, how Hawkeye and Trevor from getting something done. And I think over time they realized that McLean Stevenson was so likable that they wrote him as more of the pal and more of like on their side. Yeah. And it was more Frank and Hollips were going to be the nemesis mm-hmm. of the show. I think that's kind of how it goes. This is an early example of the, the, of the other take on that. But, but yeah, I mean, Henry is the one who's saying, no, don't do that. Don't do that. When they go golfing, um, there is, I mean, again, it's the first season and things are, people are still a little out of character. Like when they go golfing and Henry gets shot at from a sniper, they, the, Hawkeye and Henry and Hojan, who of course was supposed to be back in Maine going to college, but here he is, um, <laughs> they, they hang out in the woods, in the, in the bushes, uh, and, and Hawkeye's like, so do you want to resume the game? And you're like, you guys were just shot at by a sniper. What are you talking about? Like Hawkeye's very brave. He's just like, oh come on, let's, it's, it's no big deal. It's just a sniper. And Henry's the one saying, no, I think I'm going to concede the whole day. And it's like, <laughs> I, in a later episode, Hawkeye would run feet first, you know, for the camp as soon as he saw a bullet fly. So, but here he's kind of like, ah, eh, it's not a big deal. And and you know, so again, they're trying to find their footing with these these characters. Mm-hmm. I love that line uh, where Hawkeye says it's a par twenty nine. Right. That kills me. Like, as an avid mini golfer, I have to say, I've played a part 29 hole before. They ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, they use the uh, brassiere as the. Uh, the yeah, oh, that, yeah, that was great. That was a lot of starch in that brassiere, though. Yeah, that's right. It hangs straight up. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. What do you think of uh, Billy Greenbush? Billy Greenbush was a guy who was always sort of like a tough guy. He was in movies and TV sort of interchangeably. Before this, he was in. Five Easy Pieces, Monty Walsh, uh, he played a cop in Electro Glide in Blue. He also had appearances on The Incredible Hulk, The Amazing Stories. He was on Aftermash. Uh, and his final film, um, he, he's still around, but he retired a bunch of years ago. But his final film so far is Jason Goes to Hell. So yeah. <laughs> I guess he's had to end it there. What do you think of him as a cowboy? Um, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure that I, I loved him in that role. Uh, in my mind, like remembering it from when I was young. Uh, I swear to you, I was convinced that that cowboy was Burt Reynolds. Wow. So, (laughs) right, right. Uh, well in 72, maybe not. Well, yeah, right. You would have gotten just on the cusp of Burt Reynolds. Right. He would just be becoming Burt Reynolds. And, you know, it would have been like, yeah. So I was, you know, sitting down to watch it again later in life when it wasn't Burt Reynolds, you know, how do you not be disappointed by that? Um, (laughs) but I don't know. I, he kind of had one facial expression throughout, you know, and I, I, I just wasn't, you know, I was buying that he was, you know, he was suffering from, you know, trauma fatigue. And, you know, I, I did buy that aspect of him. But, you know, um, I, I think 15 years from now, if I don't watch this episode again between then, I'll still think it was Burt Reynolds. <laughs> 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 I, I hope, you know, I feel like I, I hope. He's not listening because <laughs> that seems not very generous. Uh, but I wasn't necessarily very thrilled with the portrayal. Cowboys bringing in wounded in a, in a Trans Am or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I, my my problem with this episode in general is, first of all, it's a mystery that's not a mystery because right. we, as the viewers, are always ahead of the characters. I mean, mm-hmm. we know that it's cowboy. And it takes Hawkeye and Trapper the whole episode to figure out that it's Cowboy. And, you know, the rest of us are kind of like, come on, 
Hawkeye, get on the stick here. It's clearly Cowboy who's doing this. So that, right. that you know, the mystery angle just isn't really there, although me could argue they're not really trying to make it a mystery. But then the other problem I kind of have is, like, the show itself is sort of siding with Cowboy a little. Like, a little. like you yeah. know, and it's like, well, okay, like, I'm sympathetic to Cowboy's situation, but if we sent every soldier home who got a Dear John letter, there would be no war, which is, of course, not a bad thing. But I mean, right. you, Maybe that's a great policy tonight. You can't blame Henry for saying no. You're, right. I mean, they're, the, they have very specific rules about what wounds constitute severe enough injuries that they, that, that they require a trip home. And Cowboy's wounds don't. Henry was just following the rules. So the idea right. that Cowboy is taking it out on Henry is really unfair. And then, of course... Cowboy, as I mentioned, literally tries to murder Henry by pushing him mm-hmm. out of a chopper. I don't know how Cowboy doesn't kind of like get thrown in prison for that as uh, yeah, opposed I, to getting a visit from his wife as sort of right. a reward. I mean, it, it's – it's you know, I, I think it's prior to having the phrase PTSD. They were right. trying to maybe express that that's why you know, he had done all of these things and, and Henry being – you know, Henry wasn't trying to – pour salt in a wound, you know? I think that they're a lot more empathetic maybe than their counterparts in real life might end up being yeah, in those situations. So. Uh, somebody tries to kill me uh, by pushing me out of a helicopter. Yeah, he's not in a vacation with his wife if I'm the guy in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was sort of weird like that. Like, I felt like, you know, until they kind of revealed at the very end, oh, he was suffering from, you know, um, just you know, being, you know, PTSD for lack of a better phrase. Um, I don't remember the phrase they used, but when they, when they said that I was like, okay. But up until that point, I was like, this guy's just incredibly insecure and he's macho and he's, you know, you know, he probably eats toxic masculinity for breakfast. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, I'm just sitting there thinking, this is not, why are they, you know, why are they trying to, make it, you know, to justify this man's actions. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And then, uh, and then, you know, they, he gets a diagnosis and it's a different story. But uh, up until that point, I was like, he's just crazy. He's, he's just a stalker and he snapped. Yeah, this is a guy that flies a chopper around wearing a, a holster uh, and, a, and a gun. Like he's got a separate revolver. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a cowboy belt. I mean, there's his name. He's got the cowboy hat and everything. So, mm-hmm. the, yeah, you're right. This guy is marinating in the toxic mm-hmm. masculinity of, of his of his role. But, yeah, I've always, even when I was a kid, I was like, well, I, I don't know. I think cowboy needs to be a little little, little stricter punishment than, than for trying to kill a lieutenant colonel <laughs> right. uh, in, the, in the Army. I, I don't know. It could be, could be crazy. I mean, if he were wearing a dress... They might have sent him home, you know. Right. Like, oh man! Jeez. With all with all those combination of uh, um, things, if Klinger had just tried to assassinate Henry, had, if only he didn't own, you know. Yeah, right. Wouldn't waste all that time with all right. those outfits. That, that would have been a joke we never would have had to see again. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, now the, the the scene later on where they're trying to talk to Cowboy over the radio and they're reading the letter and. They open it up and it says, Dear John. And, of course, they're like, oh, no, because it's a Dear John <laughs> yeah. letter. And and that part I got. When I was a kid, I, I knew what Dear John meant. I knew. Right. But but then they do the bit about Reno. And, and Hawkeye doesn't want to tell Trapper to say that it's from Reno. And I never got that part. I never understood why that was a joke. And then I looked – I did some research for this. And the, it was – Reno was the divorce capital 
of the United States. Like that's where oh. you went to get divorces. You could go I to Reno and yeah, and get a quickie divorce. So that's why when he's finding out that the letter's coming from Reno, that's why Hawkeye because after he says Reno and he puts his hand over the mic and he says goodbye Henry because he mm-hmm. figures that's the end of it. So that's that's the joke is that. Uh, that they're figuring that his wife is coming from Reno because she's gotten hitched to another man. But of course, we find out he's from Reno. His name is John from Reno, so it all works out. Um, <laughs> but I never you know, knew that for the longest time. No, I had no idea till just this very second. I mean, yeah. when you say that, something jumps out at me, you know, from like a historical memory that, yeah, people used to go there to get divorces. But I, I wouldn't have put two and two together until you said that actually makes that joke a lot funnier. But that that scene really kind of annoyed me because you know you know hawkeye was like goodbye henry like he was so glib about his friend you know in being in the midst of an attempted murder <laughs> i was <just laughs> like i was like wait what you know this is the guy who you know flies into fits of rage over you know sanitary conditions and his friend is going to be being pushed out of a, a chopper by you know somebody and he's glib about it it just kind of took me out of it for a moment yeah um but you know one of the one of the things that i loved about this episode though and i mean i'm I'm certain that it applies to other episodes as well but the the patter the uh the just the the constant um rapid fire one-liners and 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 jokes and just clever turns of phrase throughout like when henry says at one point he's like I, I've, I've got a lot of minute a lot of minutes and each one's worse than the next <laughs> <laughs> or each one's worse than the one before i think is what he says and i thought that was that was like such a clever bit of writing and those kinds of lines were just being fired at you so fast while i was watching it i felt like this might explain like this might have been me being primed uh for film noir <laughs> because I'm a, I like film noir. Like I, I really love that stuff. And the, the stuff that I love about it is that, that rapid fire turn of phrase, Humphrey Bogart, uh, just boom, 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 boom. You know, the, the, the it's kind of typical of, of film noir. And, um, I, you know, I was watching it and I'm like, I wonder if that's where it comes from. Like <laughs> if, if my interest in that stems from this point, you know, it, it, I, I don't have a, a, a strong enough recollection to know if that was because I mean I felt like this was extraordinary in comparison to other episodes that I've watched recently, um, and I don't know if that was fairly typical for Mash. You know what I mean? This one mm-hmm. felt like it was like you know every second, every minute on screen that there was dialogue. It was going to be something. Even Frank got funny lines, mm-hmm. like clever lines. <laughs> he quipped. Yes, sometimes he could be loose, you know. He yeah. could. He, he plus he's also excited about the idea of taking over the unit. Yeah. Because uh, we have that whole scene of Henry handing him the key, literally the keys to the to the four seven seven, because he's going to go and delicately dis- yeah. disappear <laughs> disappear for a while. So yeah. Yeah, that was um, funny. That that sequence was really funny. That's yeah. not very military of you. He was so upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to mention some of the other actors in this episode. There's Mike Robolo plays the cook. Uh, who was like li- like looks like a chef? In the older episodes, they had somebody that would dress like a chef, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just having like Igor or something do it. He appeared right. in shows like Chico and the Man, Charlie's Angels, The White Shadow, Knots Landing. 
there is a, a an actor named um, Joe Corey who plays the wounded soldier Goldstein. Goldstein, we, yeah. We see him on the operating table, and there, there there's a. That's the instigation for a sequence with Father Mulcahy where he blesses Goldstein and he speaks Hebrew. And, right. of course, Hawkeye and Trapper are like, funny, he doesn't look it. He doesn't look it. I thought that was such it. a great line. And um, we, we, Joe Corey gets a line later on in, in post-op talking to Hawkeye. And I found that just a sad little detail about Joe Corey. Uh, he had a bunch of TV credits um, before this. This is his last credit. He died at age 45. I don't know why. Oh, my it stars. Doesn't, it doesn't mention. He did not even live to see this episode air. This episode aired in November 1972. He died in August of 1972. So this was his last credit. And again, the, the IMDb does not list why he died. But, I mean, that's very unusual for someone his age. And so, yeah, this aired. He was already passed away by the time this aired, which is just like, oh, my Lord. That's very, very strange. And then the, um, the actress playing Nurse Baker is Jean Powell. She has two credits. This episode, and she's, she's given credit as being one of the stunt team on a movie called Raw Justice from 1990. And that, that's one of those credits that I wonder if IMDb gets it wrong. Because what right. are the odds that a woman that appeared in a MASH episode would 20 years later be doing stunts for an action movie? Mm-hmm. You know, so I have no idea. But they, that, that, that's it. Those are her two credits for Chimpa. And I always, I always wonder about that. Like, how do you end up only ever doing one acting gig and it's on mash you know it was like yeah. one of like the most high, high profile shows to ever air that stuff's always sort of confounding to me yeah you think you'd be able to you know bankroll that into something yeah you know a little more lucrative than 20 years later being a stunt coordinator yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> for a movie probably nobody's ever seen i don't right. know yeah it doesn't make any sense to me um the final scene, I, I actually like uh, where the, when, when they're talking to Henry and he says, you know, Henry, were you nervous? And he goes, no. And then we hear the backfiring Jeep and he spills his martini on Trapper. Mm-hmm. And I love the take that Will that uh, Will Rogers, excuse me, that Wayne Rogers does because he actually looks genuinely surprised, mm-hmm. which is always hard to do when you know it's coming, of course. Yeah. It, I sort of wonder if he did. Well, I've assumed that that moment's in the scene, but prob- maybe they timed it a little off each time right. just to get that genuine reaction or something. I wonder how many takes it took. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wonder if the, the intent was always for him to throw his martini at him. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he could have just been to be startled or something like that. Like, there was a couple of moments in this episode. Um, McLean Stevenson, in particular, had a couple of lines where, I think one where he was going to bed. I wish I had written it down. But it sounded very ad-libbed. Like, That's interesting. Uh, do, do you know... Do you know what the ad lib philosophy was on this series? Were they, as far as I know, they didn't do a lot of it. It was they really kind of were like it's on the page kind of thing. I did I didn't hear a whole lot. I haven't heard a whole lot of stories about about ad libs. There's a scene. It's funny though you mentioned that because the scene where they go golfing, mm-hmm. um, there's a moment where after Hawkeye hits his ball, Henry has a line that it, Hawkeye hits the ball, and they look at it and he says, "Nice ball." And then Henry just um, Henry just mutters, uh, "Swings a little strange, but the ball looked good." That and was, the way the way he mutters it makes yes. me think that that's an ad lib because it just he, exactly. he like half says it. Yeah, yeah. He drops his his register. Yeah, and he, he says yeah. it a little more quietly. Like swings a little strange, but like yeah. I mean, either that's just incredibly naturalistic acting, um, or I mean, which he doesn't necessarily demonstrate a whole lot in other instances, mm-hmm. or. Uh, you know, he's ad-libbing that. And I just thought, 
that that was one of those scenes where that jumped out at me as like, no, he just made that up. He that's not yeah. in the script. Yeah, they kept it. it cause yeah, it's they good. don't go right. They didn't. It's not a big joke line. He doesn't say it like a joke line. He says it like it's. He they sound like two guys actually playing golf, like two guys that are really mm-hmm. big golfers, and they're just sort of sort of uh, you know no pun intended ball busting each other over their performance. <laughs> yep. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, do you have a particular favorite line from this episode? Uh, yeah, I that um, that line where uh, I don't know if it's my favorite in terms of it being the funniest, but. I'm amazed that they got away with it in a way. Um, it reminded me of one of those like old Playboy magazine one panel cartoons <laughs> that were just like from like the 1960s that were just outrageously sexist. Right, right. Uh, when uh, Radar asks him what he wants, he says two blondes, sunny side up. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my, <laughs> <laughs> that's. That and I, I can just picture the little, you know, black line dude being asked that in a, you know, <laughs> right, you know, in a Playboy cartoon with a little cartoon bunny ear. They need Playmate. to have something uh, on the other page of the centerfolds. They have to, they have to print something. <laughs> but that line, I thought, I that sticks out to me. You know what I mean? Like I just thought that was it was a really sort of well put together joke. It 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 kind of is going to make the censors it doesn't leave them with anything to do. Like, you know, you can't, you can't censor subtext really. Right, right. Um, and you know, while at the same time it, it's just like, I don't know. It, it, it jumped out at me. I, it's not necessarily the funniest line, but it seemed pretty, um, I don't know. It, it was real visible. It was a real or audible line. Like it just jumped right out at me. I was like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> uh, my favorite one is when they're in the mess tent with with Henry, and they're talking and and they're they're saying they're admitting that they're they're worried about Henry. And Hawkeye says, "Henry, don't you realize if anything happens to you, Frank Burns will be running this place?" And it's like it's not so much a funny line as it is just Hawkeye completely underscoring that they're not that concerned with Henry. It's more right. like we just don't want Frank in charge. And Henry even responds to that too. So I just love the self centeredness of it. We, yeah, you no, can't die because we're screwed if you we're screwed if you get killed. Yeah, no, and, and that was a that was a great moment too because I don't know when I look at Henry, just the words "aw shucks" come into my head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that was one of those moments where, like, instead of being like kind of glum about it or like "aw shucks," uh, you know, he was just like, "Oh well, you know, your empathy is astonishing. Thank you so much." You know what I mean? <laughs> like he was like so sarcastic with them back. I thought that was great. I think we've all had bosses at that time that you're like, please don't let this person leave because if they do, I'm really in trouble. You know, <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. Like, you're, I mean, you, you might like the person, but it's really more what they're doing for you in that context that you care about. So, and I like that Henry uh, responds. I thought that was a good response on, on Henry's part. To be like, mm-hmm. geez, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. This he was uh, great. While, meanwhile, uh, he's eating his, his dinner that's specially prepared. Yes, right, and then he's, yeah. After they leave, they find there's an empty plate. Henry's left with just like gristle and stuff like that. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, they definitely played up the jerk angle on uh, on Trapper and uh, Hawkeye. Yep. Um, so, is there anything else you want to say about Cowboy Cow- Cowboy before we wrap up? <laughs> no, you know, overall, I, I had a real strong memory of it. Um, and usually, things that are associated with that, like, that I have a real strong memory of, I assume I liked them a lot. I'm not sure that this is one of my my favorite episodes. I think there's a lot of great things in it. Um, but it's, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, the, the weird relationship it has to cowboy himself. Um, 
but I think it's an interesting story that, you know, that the way they told it was really cool. And, um, but you know, there's gotta be something significant about it for it to stick in, in my brain for all of those years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it literally was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years between the last time I watched it and then, uh, the most second to most recent time I watched it. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, so well, I think yeah, I think that is going to do it for uh, this episode of Mashcast. That's Cowboy said. It's certainly a unique episode among uh, 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 the series. Um, so Corey, I don't know what else you have coming up on the network. I know you're going to be back on Mashcast, and I don't have any first hand knowledge, but I am pretty sure that you will be back on. Uh, Give me that Star Trek at some point as well. I'm hoping. So yeah, I'm sure sure Cisco is going to put that together. So uh, I think it's going to do it. Uh, anything else we want to wrap up? Uh, we have to say, of course, that said Mash is streaming as. We we talked about it in the last episode. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, I've been we've been watching it nonstop uh, on on Hulu now. Just so Hulu knows, please keep it, please. Good job, please. by the way. I'm, I'm putting you. that all at your feet. Like, that's, <laughs> that's entirely Mashcast doing. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the yeah, credit for that. Absolutely. absolutely. So, well, everybody, again, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, I will be doing a listener feedback episode at some point, so please leave your comments over on the website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com, and also leave us iTunes reviews. That would help as well. Said, I promise I will be doing feedback at some point during the season. And uh, I think that's going to do it, Corey. Thanks so much for coming back on. I always enjoy talking to you, sir. Always. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, that is all.